All right, sorry if that interlude. Um, All right, so you read Two Gallants, and you read The Boarding House? Yes. Okay, cool. I was too busy reading Elm. Yes. I think I noticed uh, both of my, all of my choices, I guess the original, like, Shakespeare and Company, or or, um, any imprint or reprint of Ulysses that goes off that, like, blue cover is like not ugly but every other Joyce I've ever seen is super ugly I should like take pictures of these <laughs> like my my Barnes and Noble edition of this and the Joyce uh, the Elman Joyce are just like really drab that like gray brown green color that's weirdly associated with Ireland I don't know it's uh, very off-putting. <laughs> I could see why people are just, like, intimidated by the book covers. Now, you've had that Elman copy... I mean, you've had the copies a long time, haven't you? I assume? Uh, yeah. Are you just now noticing yeah. that, or are you just drawing a conclusion? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, just what, looking at them. Like, I, I, I... My library is usually pretty, like, disorganized, so I don't know if I've ever set them next to each other. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, yeah. So, two gallons. Do you want to jump in? Yeah. Well, you want to catch us up on anything you have gleaned from reading Elman recently? Maybe not directly related oh, well, to these two uh, stories, but that would be of interest. I was actually just I was reading um, about finishing Dubliners, and two gallons is actually one of the stories that he finishes. One of three stories, two gallons, a little cloud, and a dead. Uh, which he finished after the original, like, pass through the book in, like, 1904, 1905, 1906. Okay. Um, this is also one of the ones that, like, not as much as counterpart, um, but this is one of the ones that had uh, publishers not super happy, or had his publisher not super happy. Um and yeah, they were they, they they went back and forth on making changes to get around English publishing law because something about like the publishers would be just as guilty as the writer or something. Um, what, now let me ask you this, yeah, and I don't want to jump the gun, but was the ending something they made him change? The ending as it is now is that um, something he changed? I don't think you could really change the ending. I think... Okay. Yeah. We'll talk uh, about the ending then when we get out. there. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I didn't... Yeah. It just... The way you so said that, it made me think... to make changes occasionally as... I, I mean, it seemed like he was kind of willing to make changes, but sometimes it seemed more like a faint uh, kind of negotiation <clears throat> tactic. Mm-hmm. And mostly what Joyce did in the face of censorship is just, like, wait it out. Like he did with Ulysses in America. I mean, that got published in 1922, and then the court case that let it be, that overturned the ban was in 1933. So he just, like, waited for 11 years. Mm-hmm. All those American royalties uh, just wasted. All right, so... But yeah, two gallons. Two gallons. So we got two men coming coming down the hill. A little bit of a pun. 
Yeah, they're yeah, not very gallant. <laughs> oh, uh, Chorley, Corley, Chorley. Um, he was a guy. He is just a guy. Uh, that is one thing I, I, I read in Element. I don't know who cares about that, but like Joyce met him once after he wrote this story, and he's like, "You're in a story," and he's like, "Oh, cool, neat." Um, but yeah, that's almost like directly just biographical. That guy. I like that they are, they don't, they like, this in the next story, there's, um, there are a couple points where we just kind of like start at the end of an anecdote or like this conversation that they're having. We don't like hear the interesting stories or the, well, I don't know if it necessarily was interesting, but the story that took the biscuit. Right. Um, they're walking the along in conversation. Unique, and if I may say it, recherche biscuit. Um, so yeah, we just see the, the uh, what's his name, Lenahan's reactions to the story and Chorley's saying the story, but yeah, we don't, don't, uh, uh, hear him say it. Right. Um, but we presume what they're talking about, correct? Based on the ending of the story, yeah. they're talking about his situation right. with a, with a girl who he used to take to a field and, um, yeah. Or still does. Or still does, which yeah. is something they're going towards, right? It's the same girl. Right. And he's yeah, talking... the girl that uh, he's meeting that night. Okay, and they're talking about her, and he's kind of bragging, and Corley is introduced to us as a fat guy who looks young sometimes when he's laughing, but he's tiring, I mean- think... Lenahan. Is Moynihan the one who's fat? Yes, I apologize. Yeah. Corley's the guy... Okay. Corley is the guy telling the story about the girl who knows the girl going to meet her, and his friend is Moynihan. Okay. And Moynihan is someone who gets about on his wits, I would say. You know, he doesn't have a, a, a steady job. He he kind of... Yeah. He kind of... Uh, bums off people. Bums off people and uses his friends, and he bums trades... Yeah, he trades his ability to tell stories and jokes, right? And his his banter. Basically, he's singing for his supper. Yeah. And there's a couple of passages where he is obviously wearying of this lifestyle. Uh, most mm-hmm. notably, I think when he's thinking at the restaurant, he's t- thinking about, you know, where am I in life and why don't I have a steady job and a woman and a, and a house and everything. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about his connection with his friend Corley, uh, or Chorley, however you say it. What do you think? What do you well, think? Sc- saying it, how he says it. Okay. What do you think? Th- what do you think's going on it's there? I mean, he runs into some other friends, which I thought was a little bit suggestive of what we were just kind of talking about. Do you think he has a close friendship with this guy, or what is his um, incentive to be so interested in his situation with the girl? Well, is he just passing an evening? Uh, I mean, what comes at the end, right? Yeah. The the conquest a, of the golden coin. There's a reward at the end. So I right. guess I'm saying, do you think they're in league together typically? Or is this sort of a, a passing of the evening, having a good time with a friend? And this is just how it well, went I mean, down. He, he, this is not a good time for him, I don't think. Okay. He's very, 
as much as like trying to get that uh I don't know how she procured that gold coin. Maybe well, like I mean with, 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 with the way that they're secretive about it, mm-hmm. um seems like it's probably like stolen, maybe from her employer or mm-hmm. somewhere else. So go on about um, why do you think he's not having a good time? You think he's putting on everything that's going on where he is seemingly enjoying himself and kind of enjoying seeing the girl. Well, what makes you think he was enjoying himself? Um, he's laughing at the story, saying it takes the biscuit. Uh, well, yeah, that was... Um, he got to have some supper. Yeah. He enjoyed I mean, the supper. Some of that is... Yeah, some of that is, is, is performative, I think, certainly. Yeah, but, you know, I got this sense that he... That he was performative. Do you remember when he was a little bit rude to the lady at the restaurant? I'm trying to find it. And he corrected yeah. himself where he didn't want to come off as, like, um, too nice, I guess. Um, well, yeah, he didn't want to come off as out of place, Gentile. He spoke roughly, this is, you know, I can't even give you a page, sorry. He spoke roughly in order to belie mm-hmm. his Arab gentility. For his entry had been followed yeah. by a pause of talk. Um, right. So I guess I got the sense that he's a nice guy who is tiring of the fact that he doesn't have any discipline in his life or sense of responsibility. But um, but that I didn't yeah, get the sense. Uh, that, yeah, I was just going to say I didn't get the sense that he wasn't having a good time. I mean, he was left out. With you know, he wanted to look at the girl, so that kind of made it feel like he wished he was the one with the girl, right? Um, so maybe, well, maybe with like a more established life, but yeah, the the fact that he has to you know while away, however many hours, uh, walking around waiting for his friends to come back with a possibly purloined small gold coin. Um, yeah, that, that speaks to me of like, it's just like, yeah, he doesn't have any like real opportunities or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's not, this isn't like a lark for him. This is like, he hadn't eaten since breakfast, like they say. Um, yeah, the, the, the moral code, I mean, one of the reasons that this was, uh, not super pleasing to the publishers is that. Yeah, the moral code of, of, of what's going on is dubious. <laughs> that they're, you know, uh, yeah, using this woman to get money to, you know, pay for food or drink or whatever. Probably drink. Right, okay. Yeah. And again, probably stolen money. It's just interesting that they're in league together because it seems like the guy doesn't need his friend Moynihan. You know what I mean? And he he does walk away from him, sort of disinterestedly at the end. And I, you know, I don't know if that was a yeah. show of being superior or um, the leader or what that was about. But um, I, I guess I thought you know Corley had his choice of activities. It sounds like he had a lot know. of friends. I think so kind of like a exhaustion to like after after the deed has been done. Mm-hmm. It was a long. Basically, he's using the girl to, you know, and then manipulating her to get the money. Um, but it, it takes a yeah, long time. So I don't know how, like, psyched you would be. Okay. 
Why do you think he named it an ironic title? The the play on two gallons. Um, or, or yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's just irony. It's I don't a good know. title. What, what do you okay. mean? <laughs> why did he? Why did he make a joke? That's what. Yeah, that's that's what it is. <laughs> oh God! I mean, was it like he was trying to trick anybody? <laughs> uh, it's true. Why am I overthinking yeah. that? Um, all right, I want to read a line I underlined, uh, which is uh, close. It's at the restaurant area where he's thinking. He was tired of knocking about, of pulling the devil by the tail, of shifts and intrigues. And he goes on to talk about his situation. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a... the whole life lived in half darkness. You know, he's, he's, he's standing in front of like the prosperous, luxurious hotel and can't stand it. So he has to go down some side streets. It's darker. Um, for me, yeah, there's just like a whole sense of desolation and um, even like, yeah, they just like pass the, that like harpist kind of got to me that they pass the, the harpist like halfway through. Mm-hmm. Uh, they walked along the South Street and then turned into Cadero Street. Uh, not far from the porch of the club, a harpist stood in the roadway playing to a little ring of listeners. He plucked at the wires, heedlessly glancing quickly from time to time at the face of each newcomer and from time to time wearily also at the sky. His harp, too heedless that her coverings had fallen about her knees, seemed weary alike of the eyes of strangers and of her master's hands. One hand played in the bass the melody of Silent O'Moyle, which is like a classical Irish tune, like a Thomas More Irish tune, while the other hand careered in the treble after each group of notes, the notes of the air sounded deep and full. Um, so yeah, that kind of um, ruination, that kind of, I mean, yeah, it's like a street performer. Um, a lot of a lot of like echoing wearies and um just the flats of the you know the the casing of 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 the harp just strewn about um i mean i i guess perhaps like harp for for us nowadays kind of have like a cultural condensation of like uh aristocracy or yeah fanciness um I don't know. I, I assume there's still some of that, but yeah, then to see like a, like if you saw a harpist on the, you know, a street corner, I don't know how many street performers there are in uh, Charlotte, but yeah, uh, if you saw a harpist on the, on the side of a street, that would seem like a, uh, yeah, like a, maybe not like a contradiction. Um, but yeah, notably out of place. Yeah, and, I thought that uh, added. Kind of dissettling. That added an air of strangeness to the story, which, as we've talked about in previous yeah, like an absurdity. seasons, that's an element of great literature, strangeness, when you, and, yet, mm. and yet being familiar, you know. The harp was definitely, uh, I wondered if it was, if it was, if it was um, a normal instrument there. That someone would be playing. It's an odd instrument for someone to play in the door, a doorstep in I my experience. I think it's like with, with Ireland, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it would, yeah, I, I don't think it would be a normal, I mean, e- yeah, e- even if that was just uh, 
uh, depressing to, to see it in that context. And, you know, some harpist, some trained harpist down so far that he has to, you know, play for pennies on the side of the street. Mm. Be like watching a classical cello player or something playing for drinking money. Right. Outside. Yeah. So yeah, that to me, I think, uh, is kind of the, uh, yeah, that, that stuck with me. That was the only thing I really had underlined, I think. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, I didn't expect her to bring out a coin at the end. So he did a really good job, I feel like, yeah. of, of keeping it, you know, not suspenseful, but definitely telling the story, kind of like you said, like beginning it with a conversation in the middle, for example. Just telling it in a way that was not uh, cliche, maybe, is a good way of saying it. Because um, I, I did not see... Not over over. Yeah, I didn't see the end coming where she yeah, brought thought, out a coin. I think the first time I read this, um, my uh, really, I think I, my my assumption was that like he was Lenahan was asking Coralie to like uh, set like yeah set him up you know, with a girl him, right yeah that's what I thought too her after right right um apparently that wasn't the case all right yeah, yeah uh, do you, this may be a good time to bring up the thing I asked you to remind me of where we were a long time ago in DC together and you were reading the Scarlet letter and you had said, um, you know, you said you were reading that to, uh, to remind yourself. I don't think you meant personally. I think you meant the way people used to write, um, to remind yourself that sin as an idea is a, the way you, the way you treat that is, is a really big consequence in how you write uh, a story, because the the drama and the and the things that occur, if you believe in eternal damnation based on your actions, that's gonna and you right. seriously do believe that, then that's gonna affect how um, you interpret what happened. The drama, the stakes. Yeah, the stakes are higher right. uh, on a much more simple level, which in a way makes it better because there are consequ you know there are th when you read it there's more um there's just more behind what's going on more consequence yeah and that that's true in these stories you know i know um, that's almost like um i was yeah that's i, I was thinking about elliot uh when he said that because like it's almost why elliot chose and he very deliberately intellectually chose to be a Christian, to be, you know, his type of Christian, his Anglo-Catholicism. Um, just almost sounds like a, I don't want to say a liter literary affectation, um, but it was a very, like, uh, yeah, there, 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 there's a sense to me reading his, like, uh, reading him on religion that, like, uh, without religion, the world just doesn't have, I mean, he was, he was raised Unitarian, so, he, I mean, there was available to him, you know, uh, very uh, much more loose interpretation of the world that he deliberately chose to be Anglo-Catholic, um, almost to give the world more heft, you know, uh, we only breathe, we only suspire uh, between 
either fire or fire. Um, I forget the exact line. Um, but yeah, it was almost like a, but yeah, just as, as like a literary conceit, religion and sin and, and, and death and damnation, um, and kind of give, give, give the world harder edges and give our, give, give people's mm-hmm. actions harder edges. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed, I mean, like a good example, a big counter example would be like the stranger where mm-hmm. you shoot the guy and it's just like flotting a fly, uh, flotting a <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, 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 the guy is just as annoying as the sun, um, although, you know, resonant symbolism there. Um, but yeah, just killing a guy, at least in the first half, uh, until he, you know, has to go to jail for it, um, it's like, yeah, shielding your eyes from the sun or, you know, some, some other way of getting rid of an annoying thing. Um, it's not treated as some, like, huge moment momentous i mean it, it is kind of like all leading up to that but um yeah it doesn't have the same i mean in scarlet letter they're just like they're just fucking <laughs> that's like a whole register different than killing another person and there's there's also yeah, with such severity there's also a difference in people who are rebellious when you're in a culture that cares about that yeah. You know, if you're rebelling against, friction. yeah, there's more point to being someone who disagrees with the orthodoxy. I mean, yeah. uh, anyway. If there's an orthodoxy, if there's no orthodoxy, then there's nothing to left. Right, and that, I think, about. I think that's a good point to make about any of these stories, but going into the boarding house, okay, so um, yeah. it's relevant in this one because it's about the seriousness with which people take, um, I guess, virginity, you would say, or um, mm-hmm. someone's honor in a small town. Honor, virginity, just, just sex. Yeah. Catholic, Catholic uh, family values. But the Catholic family values, but this particularly involves uh, a female. Okay, so the daughter of a lady yeah. who owns a boarding house. And... Who is cunningly called, or cunning, that's a word that is resonant in both of these two stories, but who is slyly called the Madame anyways, already on like the first page of the story, introducing a uh, salacious kind of ambiance. Oh, as in, okay, as in a brothel? Prevail. Yeah. The Madame. All the resident young men the spoke of her as the Madame. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Incorrectly spelled madam. Madame. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of got confused. I, I kept reading. I probably should have gone back and clarified in my mind what happened with the father, but I, I didn't get what happened with the father. <laughs> Can we just say that real quick? She had married her father's uh, foreman. Mr. And... Mooney. Yeah. So, like, uh, he... He began to go to the devil. Went off the wagon or started, started yeah, go to the devil. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, that's a resonant uh, little phrase. Um, so the money was Miss Mooney's, and the, the uh, her, her father was the butcher. Okay, they had a butcher um, shop. And she had married, like, the butcher's assistant. Okay, right. Um, and then when the father died, uh, and I guess the guy became, like, the full butcher, um... But yeah, without the the 
father-in-law's oversight. He started to drink, under the till, to like steal money from the register. Okay. Um, and ran into debt. And she gets as um, much as she can out of that, and then starts this boarding house after she leaves the husband, um, and keeps her two yeah, children. Yeah, I mean, it was his, it was her money. It was her, you know, it, it was the butcher shop and like her family. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Okay, good. So yeah. she she has this idea, basically, you know, I need to make money and with what I have and starts a boarding house. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of young men live there. Um, and she employs yeah. her daughter there to take care of these people. Um, yeah, she... Uh, Polly. I think that's a... Her, her daughter's employment history is an interesting little... Yeah, again, just like accumulating the ambiance of the story. Um, because Polly was a swim girl of 19, uh, but she had worked as a typist. Um, but then, yeah, as a disreputable sheriff's man used to come every other day to the office asking to be allowed to say a word to his daughter. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, so when her, when Miss Mooney is, when the madame's ex-husband, or I guess, yeah, ex-husband, uh, had been sent out on the street, he had become a sheriff's man. So, uh, yeah, that kind of, I don't know, drunken menace, um, kind of looming over her in the outer, in the outside world. Um, and then she had taken her daughter home and set her to do her, to do housework. Um, interesting that yeah the, the, he's referenced as a disreputable sheriff's man and not you know mr rooney mm-hmm. um yeah i thought that was a cunning way of, of delivering that little salacious bit of gossip hot goss so do you think that implies yeah, the, the setup is kind of oh it's just it's just something that happens okay good. uh do i does it imply what well, what I thought of, so I got confused about the father. I think I told you that, and I should have just turned the page yeah. back. He became a sheriff's man, yeah. so this is the same right. guy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the guy. I was yeah. wondering if it was a guy pretending to be her dad, trying to molest her. That's kind of, but then that that's uh, too deep. That's too deep. I'm sure you're right. Um, I don't know if there's sexual support for that. Yeah. Well. I guess I guess he just wanted to say hi to his daughter. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the, they're just embarrassed so by him, basically. That, like uh, they won't even say his name. Name. Gotcha. In, like reference to that story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Polly, by the way, as you said, a slim girl of nineteen. Right. Uh, can we discuss the? the understanding between the mother and daughter uh, during the course of the situation yeah. that gets right it gets dicey um yeah how how would you explain the the menage how would i explain it i can i could not tell i'm looking for lines okay i can read lines but i don't even know if it'll be clear enough or worthwhile reading okay i'll just tell you how i interpret yeah, it it's supposed to be a little bit Okay, I'll tell you how I interpreted it upon my first reading. Okay, so basically the mom understands that something's probably going on with the daughter. Now, she doesn't interfere for a while. 
and then she does. So the question question is, why does she when she does, and why didn't she when she could have prevented the daughter from being um, more deeply involved with this guy? Would just be pulling the hook out of the pulling the line out of the river too early. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't you don't you wait until it snags on something. Uh, I've never successfully fished in my life, so I shouldn't have chose a fishing. Uh, <laughs> But I think what you do is you wait until it gets something pulls and then you then you pull it out. No, um, so yeah, yeah. She was waiting for that. Okay, so that's how you see it, and that I the, I agree. I mean, basically, she knows what's going on and wants she wants her daughter to be no open complicity. stuck yeah. with a guy. Well, <laughs> do you think it's uh, do you think it's because out. she's bored, or do you think she wants like what do you think? Is that a safe way of getting your daughter away? Right, that's a... um, She talks about... He might even have money saved up, but if not, he at least has, like, a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, She didn't... In other words, she didn't object to the guy. Um, Whereas if he agreed, all might be well. She knew he had a good screw for one thing, and she suspected he had a, a bit of stuff put by. So that's... Uh, Dublin talk that Joy's delighted in. Um, you can almost feel like a, a kind of nostalgic pull when he's, yeah, when he's writing in in in, in Dublinish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean that that this is motive enough. Marry her off to you know a pretty wealthy uh, or like a pretty well well somebody's doing pretty well. Um, He's not exactly like super wealthy or something. The, the aristocracy could just like pay you off or whatever. Um, also, somebody who is at least, uh, can, I mean, <laughs> he, the, 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 there's a uh, play with perspectives in like the six pages or whatever of this story. Um, but yeah, perspective shifts the very beginning from Mr. Mooney to Mrs. Mooney for a few pages, and then Mr. Duran. The guy who uh, does seem, I mean, he, he talks about like, or yeah, we narrate, uh, he, he had been to confession the night before, again, kind of giving us, uh, kind of giving us like the after, after game, um, might have been uh, to have melodramatic to, to see him at confession or something. Um, but yeah, Joyce's instinct is to always tell us about Mr. Doran thinking about his, his going to confession. But, yeah, he's, he's, he's guilty about the sin thing, but it's also as almost as much a thing about, like, uh, he seems just as concerned about his employer calling him into the office. Right. Um, that, like, hot feeling he gets when he thinks of his employer asking for him. Um, but, yeah. Uh, the... Yeah, so 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 he's he's respectable to a degree, I guess. Um, he's at least like concerned, not 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 able to just brazen it out. I think is the phrase. Uh, that's a good good enough. Good enough passes enough of the threshold, or, or gets over enough of the threshold to be good marriage material. Right. You know. Yeah, this I, is I, one of the stories. Speaking of Elman's insights into the uh, creation of these stories, this is one of the stories that he was 
Joyce was pleased about when he wrote it, but then like a week or two later, he's like, damn, that's like a little bit, he blamed it on the, the, I mean, this is a pretty rancid story. Um, he blamed it on the triestine heat. It was like so hot in July or June, whenever he was writing it. And Europe doesn't use air conditioning or doesn't have air conditioning. Um, certainly did not have it in 1905 or 1906 or whatever. Um, so yeah, he looked back and it was like, damn, I was just in like a bad mood when I wrote this. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, you can kind of, you can kind of feel that it's like, do you mean his, do you mean in relation to his opinion about being married? Is that what, is that what he regretted? Oh, I mean, he was, he was certainly married. Um, but no, just like this, this, this view of, uh, yeah, of society, this kind of jaundiced view. Mm. Like a, a mother dangling her her daughter out uh, to you know snatch snatch up a man mm. through thin and the appropriate uh, what do they call it reparation? I ended up liking Mr. Yeah. Doran, even though he was worried about the re- a little bit of like a cipher, I guess. He was yeah. worried about the his family looking down on her. He said, because first of all, there was her disreputable I father, see. and then there was her mother's if boarding house. Known. It was beginning to get a yeah. certain fame. Uh, but he seems really sweet to her, and that could be just me being, uh, you know, Pollyannish about their, their marriage, <laughs> their forthcoming <laughs> nuptials, but he's really sweet to her on the bed. Yeah. He's not a jerk at all. Um I guess that's just not his no. personality. Uh, not saying I mean, all, all the all the jerkishness and all of the uh, dubious behaviors are not, are like implicit. Mm-hmm. Dubious behaviors and dubious, you know, uh, non-behaviors and delayed behaviors. Um, yeah, implicit too. Like when we don't, you know, we don't see the interview between uh, Miss Moore and Mister Doran. We just kind of see how it uh, ends up. This is a really good story because look at think about all the things that are intertwined yeah. in this short story and the the scene where Polly's waiting for them to stop talking and she mm-hmm. is uh, leaning uh, laying on the bed. Another perspective, right? In a different perspective, it's a lot yeah. crammed in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, she rested the nape of her neck against the cool iron bed rail and fell into a reverie. There was no longer any perturbation visible on her face. And she forgets what she's waiting for. That was one of the really good... I mean, that was a really well-written yeah. passage. She forgets what she's I love when, I love, waiting for. I love when characters, like, minds wander, and they kind of forget themselves. I do, too. This isn't exactly Mrs. Dalloway or, or like, a Chekhov story. I do, too, um, because that's exactly what life is. At least, like, a couple paragraphs. That's here. how life is. Yeah. You sit there right. and... Um, yeah, you make connections and Dalloway was sitting for a painting, and then she forgets about it until page twenty or something. Mm. Yeah. I hate to say this because I don't. I'm not. Um, I'm not schooled enough to to say this. I don't think, but it it reminds me a lot the way it's provincial, and the way a lot of the characters interact, and probably I guess the religion aspect too. It reminds me of reading a southern writer, a lot. Mm. who is sort of writing about where they're from. You know, I guess that's a d- very... You can feel that's very deliberate, of, you know? Like ambivalent. Yeah. 
a lot of southern writers are very deliberate or uh, very ambivalent ambivalent but the super understand understanding and knowledgeable about exactly who their characters yeah. are you know there's no yeah, like, there's no guessing Stanislav, his brother, like, Chuck. I don't know if there's anything in the two stories we read, um, if I remember correctly, but, like, you'd have him check, like, which police oversaw which, you know, precinct, which precinct was in wherever, you know, police were called or, you know, how you paid for an ambulance and stuff like that. Um, and also, yeah, just the people. These are uh, people Joyce knew. Right. I mean, in, in the case of Corley, that's like a guy. That's again, like I said, that's just lifted directly from life. Uh, perhaps the Madame and Polly and Mr. Doran are a little bit um, less literal, I think. Um, but yeah, still the types of people that populated his his, his little town of Dublin. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. You, you say provincial. That's that's that kind of sense of everybody knowing each other, which. Uh, I don't, I don't know about right. uh, as a as a rootless northerner. Um, Same, I don't have that at all. Really. Yeah, yeah. 